I'm Laura Vinroot Poole. For over 20 years, I've owned Capital, an internationally recognized specialty store in Charlotte, North Carolina. On this podcast, we unlock the stories of people's lives through the stories of what they wore. These aren't conversations about fashion. These are conversations about people. Everybody wants to know her name. is the woman behind all of our entertaining here at Capitol. From the meals we serve for supper to her mother's famous cheese straws, our cocktail party staple. I love collaborating with her because we have the same values when it comes to food. It should be uncomplicated, true to our roots, and just downright delicious. Our conversation covers everything from Sarah's beginnings in the cake business to her love of homegrown tomatoes. When did you realize that it was food that you loved more than art? Well, they've always been sort of like six one way, you know, half a dozen the other. Growing up, it was always we were cooking and then I was drawing (laughs) or like decorating cookies or whatever it was. But when I moved back to the States, I didn't have a job. I like hustled cake at the Quail Hall pool. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, and tell me about the cake. How did the cake start? I made a couple of cakes when I, right before I left England. And people, I took it to a birthday party, and I had a one of my best friends, Pilar, who over seven years, I never saw her eat a sweet. <laughs> and she had a slice of cake, and then she said, may I please have another? <laughs> and I was like, man, I'm maybe on to something. I want to roll. <laughs> <laughs> then when I moved back, I was like, I, you know, I know I make this really good cake. So I'm going to start making cake until I find a job that I really want to pursue. Had you grown up with that cake or it was sort of out of the blue cake? No, I created the cake really. I mean I think that I understand how people really want to eat. Yeah. I mean I don't think that the majority of the world need to eat or want to eat like a deep fried Snickers bar. Ew. You know like <laughs> or something like you know fried Snickers donuts or whatever it is. <laughs> Nothing against Snickers but I saw that there was a niche in the market. There was nowhere in Charlotte for you to be able to purchase a really beautiful white on the outside cake with fresh flowers on it that wasn't, you know, didn't look like, you know, a raccoon or a princess <laughs> or something. I don't know. You know, it was just a, a pretty cake, something that you would love to present to your friend or your mother. Or, and then on the inside, I made them five layers and they're ombre. So they go from light to dark. Each layer is a different color. And were you always, was the first cake you did ombre too? I think the first cake I did was a 4th of July cake. Man, it was so (laughs) ugly. It was humongous. (laughs) But it was blueberries and strawberries? uh, Blueberries and strawberries is the decoration on the outside. Strawberries, you know, cut in half around the bottom and some sort of lame design on the top. (laughs) But they have cream between the layers and they're salty. Yeah. Salty on the outside, so they're beautiful. And, and almond, right? Are they sort of usually never almond? No almond. Really? Just they're just so rich and delicious. I think I figured they were almond. In London, you did you have five cake pans? No, How did you gosh. Fit that and in I your... like had this teeny tiny little kitchen with this, you know, like a half refrigerator, right. like they have there, like exactly. that's normal. And I had maybe two pans and this small 
teeny <laughs> oven. And I was like, you know, even now, if you're not organized, if you don't have your five bowls out for your five different colors, yeah. and and I dye each layer separately. So you you can, like, use the whole batch and, like, dye and add more dye and then pour it out when you weigh each layer. Mm. But, you know, you're not always using just dye from a bottle. You're mixing. Yeah, paste, a, right? A, you're dye mixing. Paste. Yeah, it's like a gel. Uh-huh. But you're not always just, like, squirt orange it's right. more like <laughs> let's try and make this a beautiful color of me and the you know possibilities can be endless and how did it turn into a business word of mouth yeah I think people and I mean, people freaked out they're good they're really good but you, you people were like oh, when the first time we had it here people were almost crying I mean like <laughs> I've never seen anything like it and I used to carry around that like plastic you know cake carrier and would have to leave it and come back and <laughs> But that's the sort of balance of the cake and the balance of of what people enjoy eating is that it has cream between the layers, so it's not all icing, and it has so that's a little bit of light adds a little bit of lightness to it, and it's salty and it's sweet, and then you can freeze it and like you pull it out and it's, break like one piece off. Yeah. And it's got that cream in the middle. It's like ice cream cake. It's really good frozen. Yeah. So you have a new business that you're working with now, working on Copen. And tell me, wh- where did the the idea come from? Tell me, what what's it going to be? How's it going to change things? It's going to bring beautiful food to Charlotte. Thank God. Thank God. Because um, you were the only person doing it <laughs> for so long. <laughs> I know you need an army to help you. You do. And I believe that, too, if you build it, they will come. And people are so okay with what everybody else serves because that's all there is. So that doesn't mean that that's what we all need to be. I think you can strive to be something better. And I think because I love art and I love an aesthetic that, and you so often eat with your eyes, like it doesn't need to be over the top and super fancy. It just needs a beautiful package. Like, please no more black plastic ever. (laughs) Copan is like, it'll be a cafe and we'll have a bakery and um, you can order online some beautiful, and it's real food. It's food that you hope your neighbor would feed you when they ask you over for dinner. Nothing of too complicated, mm. but a little bit elevated. No. And what, what's your favorite thing that they're making or that they're going to make? We do like a wood roasted salmon, and it has like marinated fennel and red onions and cucumbers, and then it comes with like a dill yogurt, and there's some mint in there too in the in the vegetable salad, and it's just easy, and you can eat it. You eat it cold. I mean, you can heat it back up if you want, but it's delicious cold. And it comes in this beautiful little wooden box, and uh. it's just lovely. It's a gift. Yeah, entertaining is a gift. I mean, it is it is so generous. And, well, that's what the important part about being entertaining, right? To be generous Warm. of yourself. Yeah. I do think that really is a Southern thing. And I think that part of what we offer is something that it feels like you get put, in a, put a little more effort into it which I also think is a big part of entertaining to you're having people over. You need to show them that you've put some effort into it. Well, I always talk about that with clothes because, I, you know, somebody was saying the other day, you know, what is, what is it about Southernness, you know, that, you know, how do we dress differently? And I said, one of the biggest things I think is that you show up, you know, if you, it's not polite to, to show up at an event and not be turned out, you know, and mm-hmm. not be of, of the occasion. You know, you don't sort of like you. You know, you don't wear a day dress to an evening thing. Um, Lord no, God. 
<laughs> people will do yeah, it. But it, it's not about it's not about money. It's not about I mean you could do that from the junior league thrift shop. It's just about respect, I think, and about respect to the hostess, really. And that's you know, part of what we're trying to offer too, so that it you know, our tagline is to be able to gather with ease. So we sort of take some of those steps off your plate and it's something that if you wanted to, you could serve our food off of the packaging that it is that you pick it up in. Yeah. It's so funny because growing up, you know, I mean, my parents entertained all the time or everybody entertained with each other. All You know, that you went to somebody's house every weekend, it seemed like. And people were not intimidated to entertain like they are now. I mean, people, people one, I mean, people don't have time, but two, I think they think it has to be some crazy, you know, five-course meal michelin starred meal at home and i i mean growing up you know people would serve meatloaf and it was so chic <laughs> and i think that's those are the the best parties to go to now where yeah. you as a hostess that you share something that means something to you with your guests and it doesn't need anybody can you know money can buy a lot of things but it doesn't it doesn't buy sort of a a, a true feeling you no. can't give that to your guest. So I always say, you know, make something that means something to you or like, oh God, well, my grandmother would have served chicken curry tonight. Yeah. And that's what I'm going to serve. Or I love brown rice and use your pretty things and, and don't overthink it. My goodness, cut some flowers out of the yard or a branch or (laughs) find some candles, light them if they're already burned, you know, don't worry about it and use a nice napkin. We've done some incredible parties together. Tell me, what are some of your favorites? The first party we did together was for Jane Scott Hodges, maybe? Uh-huh. And Who's from New Orleans. Who's from New Orleans. And I would sort of did the whole thing by myself and, and my <laughs> mother. sort of, you did. <laughs> we served shrimp and corn pies from yeah. the Kudzu Bakery in Georgetown, South Carolina. And somehow I had gone through Athens, probably from Lake Greenwood, <laughs> driven through Athens to pick up pickled green tomatoes from 5 and 10, which is Hugh Asherson's restaurant. In I Georgia. went to Georgia, and I knew that they had these pickled green tomatoes that they're really to die for. And we had sliced tomatoes as well, and mayonnaise and basil, and probably sour cream pound cake with custard, yeah. bold custard for dessert. And it was beautiful, and it was simple, and... It was almost like n- people had never been to a dinner party like that, where you had, like, just really delicious food. Really delicious food. <laughs> what a novelty. And, you know, I didn't make it all, either. I bought, right. you know, it's, it's, sometimes it's about just knowing what's good. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you aren't great at making fried chicken, like, you know, go to prices. Or if you know somebody who makes it, ask them to make it for you. You don't have to do it all on your own. <laughs> You helped me do a, a luncheon the other day and with a lot of my mother's friends who are in their 70s. And I remember one of my mom's friends said, now, Laura, did you make the um, the vegetable sandwiches, the little the tea sandwiches? And I said, well, I, did I make them? And she said, yeah, did you make the, the tea sandwiches? And I said, well, no, ma'am, I, did, I made them happen. And she said, well, I didn't even ask that. She said, you shouldn't even tell me that. She said, you made them yes. because they're here. <laughs> But I love that idea. That she she wasn't she wasn't even trying to like trick me into saying that I hadn't made them. She was just like, "Oh no, you made them, because they're here." You know, your mom did that one time to me, and I. She did. What did she do? Oh, your dad was I don't know having ten people over or something, and I just dropped some food off, uh-huh. 
And then I picked something up or something the next day, and she said, I just had to tell them that the that I made the, this part, <laughs> that I made the crab cakes, because they were so good, and I was too embarrassed to tell them that, that I so had it all, all brought in. <laughs> and I was like, you did make them. You, you, did, you made you it made happen. happen. Like, yeah, exactly. You, I wasn't even here. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I love that. And your cat, the 20th anniversary party was also, uh, it was amazing, really, because the food, I mean, the whole party was was lovely. But the food, to me, that party was really, it was perfect. And it was laid out perfectly on mm-hmm. this beautiful buffet. And out on a farm. We were out on the farm at North Corner Haven, and there were, you know, huge dough bowls, but there were also, you know, there was a pig's head on a silver platter <laughs> and, you know, sterling serving utensils, again, like out of a wooden bowl or those like, you know, silver plate salad tongs, you know, getting salad with, you know, beautiful like Johnny jump ups all over the yeah. top of it. And it just fit the occasion. It was it was of what it was, you know, it was of the place that we were having it, but it was also elegant and of you. And that is my favorite thing about entertaining with you is that it is about entertaining as you would if you were in your home or if you were at your farm or, you know, make it who you are. Well, and I think that having 200 people from all over the world come to this event, for me, it was so important not to you know I didn't want it to be anything other than what we are and to share that with people and to share things that I think that are that were so exotic to them that they never had before I mean people were like what is th- what, what is this what and we're grits? like this is a tomato pie and it's <laughs> the best tomato pie you've ever eaten in your life I mean people were dying over it yeah it was beyond also, Julia Reed, that was a fun dinner to do using some of her recipes. And it was that was a little intimidating, though, no? That was very intimidating. <laughs> I mean, I, I read that book. Mama always puts vodka in the sangria. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. That's such a good one. <laughs> and I have all of my notes and things highlighted and little post-it notes. And yeah. before dinner that night, she signed my book that day. And she was like, oh, let me read all, look at all your notes. Oh, and I was so embarrassed. But come to find out, she is like the world is a better place and oh. certainly more fun because Julia Reed exists. Absolutely. She um, is my favorite. She's, I wish she was my best friend. She's, she is your best <laughs> friend. Jules is the coolest. She's awesome. That that dinner was really fun. It was very similar, I think, to Jane Scott's dinner right. as well. <laughs> it was intimidating, but it was fun, and everybody really sort of let loose. And, again, it was fairly early on, and then before I knew it, there were, like, people up from the table, like, out <laughs> back smoking cigarettes like with the kitchen and you know like eating biscuits off the tray and yes and it was it was a good time I think we did we did her well <laughs> well and, I, and I'll tell you the other person you did really well was Andre Leontali I've never seen a happier human after a meal he loves your food he loves my biscuits <laughs> <laughs> and he says that they're just like little pillows of heaven and he love love loves them they are they're (laughs) angel biscuits but they are from heaven well bless him you know he's from durham and his mother grandmother used to make him his own pan of biscuits every sunday i think there's a lot of nostalgia in that but not everyone knows how to make a no proper dinner biscuit and most people don't and that it is you know, an appropriate size, and that it's not a roll, y'all. It's not a roll. <laughs> it's a biscuit. <laughs> you know, the 
they're really actually not that hard to make. And I'm going to just let you keep on making them for it, <laughs> <laughs> But I trust you. It's just like Crisco you. and <laughs> flour and whatever milk you have in the refrigerator. <laughs> I loved the, um, my growing up, my my dad's Swedish, and so growing up, we would all, his family would have a um, smorgasbord. smorgasbord on Boxing Day, and you did that for me a couple of years ago, and I want to do it again. I thought that was really fun and different, and people loved it. People loved it, and it was so fun. John Lufton brought in all these, you know, like Christmas tree fronds, and it was almost like you could hardly find the food on the table <laughs> amongst all the, all you the greenery. You find the sill and the smoked salmon and the glug. And the glug. <laughs> that was beautiful. What's your favorite meal to cook for your friends or your family at, when you cook at home? Crab cakes, collard greens, squash pickle, Yum. sliced tomato. Sliced tomatoes. I don't, you know, sometimes collard greens and tomato, sliced tomatoes don't always work, but squash yeah. pickle is like gold. And my grandmother makes it, and Yum. I can make it. My it's mother can make it. It's yellow squash and like thinly and sliced yellow-y. onion. I mean, the it's whole, real yellow. It has like mustard or mustard seeds yeah. in it. I mean, I think plenty of sugar yeah. and <laughs> vinegar. But and they're sliced. The squash, everything's sliced really thin, and that and it's basically it's a kind of a pickle, and that with the collard greens and the crab cake is it's so good. <laughs> And in the summertime, maybe it's, you know, crab cakes, fresh blue crab, you know, that dad picks, spent all day picking. And with corn or succotash and sliced tomatoes and salad. And I mean, I love to cook anything. Yeah, I do too. I think one of the reasons that we do well together, that we entertain well together, is that we're committed, I think, to similar things and have similar values, like full-fat Duke's mayonnaise. Yes, ma'am. Fried chicken. <laughs> yeah. And hamburgers. I think like hamburgers. People, uh, people love having hamburgers at events. They're so disarmed by it and so excited when they get there. Like, oh, what a relief. That's all I wanted. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it, uh, especially when you have a group of people who don't all know each other that are all sitting together. And oftentimes when we're entertaining together, it's not that people are here for an evening. It's that they're here for two days together or something. And so it's not, it's a great way to get people to kind of loosen up and break the ice and enjoy themselves. And I think when they're enjoying themselves, then everybody has a better time. Specific pieces of clothing evoke emotions within people. For me, they do. Is there a dish that you make that makes you feel the same way that you get emotional about? I'm pretty emotional about tomato pie. Yeah. You and use D- Duke's mayonnaise in it? I use Duke's. Sometimes I'll use Hellman's if, I th- if I'm at mom's house. <laughs> Because that's what your she mom, has. Your mom's helmets, okay. I mean, I love tomato. I love tomatoes. I mean, there's, I love you know, tomatoes. We, I, th- I would say that sliced tomatoes are actually, and that's not something you technically make, but you know, really, it is the, actually you technically make it because you and I, we are very specific about the, the, the way we cut them. That's correct. <laughs> I mean, but we grow them at Lake Greenwood, and there's something about which is where my mother. My grandparents are from Greenwood, and um, my mother has three sisters, and we all grew up going to Lake Greenwood for the 4th of July, and all of us, and now we still all do that, and it's like 56 of us, I mean, we're, and still growing, (laughs) (laughs) and we all really like each other, it's kind of amazing, but we, there's something about that red clay in Greenwood, South Carolina, that grows the most amazing, beautiful tomatoes, and and they're all sort of like sitting in the kitchen 
up, you know, kind of brown bagging. Yeah. And at any given time, you know, in the morning, there's people sitting at the at the table in the kitchen peeling tomatoes. Yeah. And not peeling blanching, but peeling no. with a knife or a peeler and on some onto some newspaper and that and those tomatoes are the best thing I've ever uh, eaten in my life. Divine. Divine. It doesn't really Beyond get any better. Divine. It's sort of like, you know, eating the cheese and drinking the wine in France and it all sort of tastes <laughs> the same. I mean, this is I like totally it tastes like my that. it tastes terroir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the tomato terroir. Yeah. I think we both have together been asked to do have been encouraged to do a book like often. Why do you think we would and should do that? I certainly think we should. We've done a lot of events together. We have done a lot of events together. I would love to have a scrapbook of what we've done, <laughs> really. Because I do think I think almost the same thing with clothes that I was telling somebody today, she said, oh, I, you know, I feel so bad because I had this stylist from the store helped her for an hour, a couple hours. And she said, oh, you know, I feel like so bad that I can't do it myself. And I said, oh, my God, I, I can't do it myself. I mean, somebody helps me get ready for events. And it's not about somebody telling you what to do. It is, like you said, it's about somebody just giving you the confidence to do it and to say, oh, OK. So, like, I don't have to have turned out my house to be a five-star restaurant. <laughs> it, it's just about being yourself and and helping having somebody almost give you license to be yourself and to that that's okay and you know who, who you are is enough who you are we just want to be with you you know and the same the way you dress and the way you, the way you eat the way you entertain I mean it would be an, an interesting book because I do think that there would be it would be a cookbook of sorts that there would be some of our family's amazing recipes that yeah. and really there's nothing more solid than I feel like what's in in the cookbook at home that's you know held together by the yeah by the rubber bands and <laughs> um with like 80 things you know shoved in there with little other recipes written on them but yeah. also to sort of give people a reference point of of etiquette and also yeah. of of being themselves and 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 telling a story about all the events that we've done and sometimes that's just what you need is that yeah. a story to kind of get you going. Most of the things that you make and, and that, that I ask you to make, <laughs> there really aren't recipes for. You know, it's kind of like you have to ask your mother to ask her aunt or her sister's cousin. A little you... bit of this yeah. and like kind of <laughs> some of that or whatever yeah. milk's in the refrigerator. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of that. And I f for me, I feel like it's almost like a, my duty. I feel like I want to preserve that. I want to preserve all of those things that I grew up with that – I don't, I can't, there's not a cookbook of that. There's not a reference book on that. Not, certainly not one modern day. And it's all, no. and there, there's a lot of sort of Southern cookbooks out there, but I'm not but sure. But a little tricked out. You know, when I got married, my mother, my wedding present for my mom was a, um, was a little wooden box full of my family's recipes. And yeah. it meant more to me than anything I've ever gotten, you know, from her. I was looking in a, and I have a recipe book for my mom. And, and also I was just looking in it today for squash casserole. <laughs> <laughs> well, just their, their handwriting on it. And actually, that was my, my thesis in school was I'm an art major, and I did a project on that on women in my family in the kitchen and growing up and the things that you learned in the kitchen through your generations. And I had bunches of recipes in my grandmother's hand and with you see like like watermarks, literally like splash marks of, I don't know, mm -hmm. vanilla, you know, milk, um, flour, 
Uh, just to, just the, the history of that is, I think, the most beautiful thing in the world to me. So what would you call the book? I always wanted to call to write a book called Who's Sitting Next to Granddaddy. Because <laughs> that was, we were always. That was the cat, that, that was catbird seat. Right. <laughs> and it was usually me or my, one of, I was on his left and one of the two, my two other cousins were all six months apart. And I have ten of them, but two other girls, Harriet and Perrine. They were on his right. You have to be ready for that seat, right? Like, you have to really have things to say <laughs> that are interesting. and You do, but, you know, you I have think to know how to behave. You certainly have to know how to behave yeah. and how to, how to eat properly and have yeah. table manners. But you also have to know how to engage at the table. I think Granddaddy, that was really important for him to have all of his grandchildren at the dining room table with he and grandmother and to engage all of us and really to teach us so many things that you need to know in life, if not everything, you know, how to have you arrived at Thanksgiving or Easter or whatever it is, and you're, you know, dressed appropriately mm -hmm. and you have, you know, learned social etiquette just amongst your family and how to help and when to help and when not to help. Manners to me aren't so much about like you yourself, they're really about other people. The question we ask everybody on the podcast is, what did you wear to the prom? Well, I went to Atlanta to buy my dress. I, I love think it. At, at Tootsie's, probably. <laughs> I had two. I'll tell you about two dresses. I was going to say, you probably went to a couple proms. One dress I bought in at Uniquities in Chapel, Chapel Hill. Chapel Hill, right. And this was sort Which is of, still there. Which is still there. And this was sort of when, like, the Gucci cutouts were happening. Okay, Tom Ford Gucci. Tom Ford Gucci. Okay, wow. And it was lavender. I had another black dress that I wore to prom that was really pretty, and it was halter, not real low on the back, sort of A-line, and it had this netting kind of over top of it, tulle netting with some beadwork in it. It was really pretty, actually. Do you still have them? I do still have them. Both of them at your mom's mm -hmm. house or your house? At my mom's house. Yeah. I've worn some pretty some pretty horrible things too <laughs> <laughs> I have too and they're all they're all at my mom's house too and Fifi we went to my mom's house the other day and went through my stuff and she was just like what is this everything you, you know you wouldn't understand it was the 80s <laughs> what'd you wear to the prom Laura <laughs> <laughs> I had a couple but um the one I had one that was kind of boring black I mean it was really beautiful but black v-neck sleeveless Joan and David, black satin, mm -hmm. with a black satin mules with a bow that were so pretty. But the one I really loved was I had gone to London with my family, and ev in London or in at Laura Ashley, in the uh, there was the August sale, which was this very famous, you know, the one one sale a year at Laura Ashley. And Laura Ashley was everything at that time. Everything. Yeah. So I think I got it well before I was even prom ready. I probably bought it when I was 13 at the <laughs> August sale at Laura Ashley. And it was pale blue, like Carolina blue, cotton. It was like a polished cotton, maybe. And it had big sleeves and a sweetheart neckline and a big um, sash bow. And it was actually really pretty. <laughs> and I still have it, for sure. Yeah. Thank you, Sarah. I love talking to you. What We Wore is produced by Capital and Balto Creative Media. The original song, Someone So Enchanting, was composed and performed by Britt Drazda. 
What We Wore is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com.